Marco was ninth in scoring two well, years ago. Yes, yes, yes. No, I know. To I go know. from... Look, I, I'm, I'm making saying, fun of all of us and or him because I think we properly ranked him. He just decided to suck. All right, welcome to our latest edition of the Fantasy Soccer FC podcast. This is David Smith. Scott Weeby. Brian Chesco. Hello, gentlemen. We Good are Good continuing through our summer series, position by position. This is how we're starting the summer. That's right. This is really only part one of four different types of summer shows we're going to be doing. You're going to have a, a lot of fun if you stick with us, stay subscribed to us. Uh, throughout the summer, tons of fun. Tons, tons of fun. Tons of fun. This is just, this is just getting us started. Taking one final look back at what was a, a pretty good Premier League season. Uh, we've got one position left to recap, and that is the midfielders, which I would have to say in fantasy Premier League was the creme de la creme. Yeah. Oh. Wow. What? It was a. It so was fancy. a midfielder year. It really was. Uh, you could, if you were in a draft league. Which is a little bit different than you know FPL, obviously being more of an auction league. But if you were in a draft league, there was just a depth of midfielder talent uh, that could have taken you very far. In fact, I would say if next year is going to be the same as this year, you probably don't need to draft midfielders very early. There's just so many of them out there, and we've got a number of them we're going to talk about today. Oh, I would argue against that a little mm. bit. Well, we don't have to worry about that yet. No, we can wait for that pod. We'll wait for the How to Play a Draft League. But you're wrong. Okay. You're dumb and you're wrong. I'm dumb. <laughs> <laughs> dumb and wrong. Yeah. That's a little harsh, wasn't it? A little, a little but little that's okay. Harsh. I can handle it. Hey, uh, we have the top 30 midfielder rankings in front of us in Real Life Fantasy and then what we predicted at the start of the season. Let's just jump right in, shall we? Number one scoring midfielder. He was number one overall in all of fantasy. If Premier you League. didn't have him, he's the closest thing to Luis Suarez when Suarez was with Liverpool about three years ago. Where if you didn't have him, it seemed like you were just falling behind every week. Hmm. And if you picked the right weeks to captain him and or just left him as your captain and never changed it, you would be a very happy person by the end of the season. And that one player is a uh, young Alexis Sanchez. Alexis Sanchez was really, really good this year. Good analysis, Brian. (laughs) Hashtag (laughs) analysis. No, uh, he was very good through most of the, at least, what, first six months of the season. Arsenal decided to dip Mm. when all of the players started to quit on Arsene Wenger and wanted to get him out of there. No, that's not true. Then they that, all came that never back. happened. Then they all got back together again yeah. and decided band, to play the band really strongly together. at the end of the season. Uh, no, I owe Alexis Sanchez a lot, personally, for this season. Yeah, Brian, why don't you tell us about that briefly, quickly. <laughs> um, just looking back on the rankings of these players, I guess I'm a, I'm a little surprised that Alexis was – not our number one guy. Well, uh, I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that, Brian, you had the most optimistic view of Sanchez before the season started. You, you predicted he'd be third. 
And I can't argue with who you put in front of him, KDB and uh, Eden Hazard. Yeah. Dave, you were equally uh, as optimistic as I was. We both ranked him sixth in our preseason rankings. Yeah, yeah and I that, wonder what I was thinking. I don't know. I mean, we both had Dimitri Payet pretty high I feel like that, that considers a mi- that's considered a miss. I, yeah. I'm really happy because uh, I may have mentioned, not on this podcast, but I definitely have mentioned it off the air of this podcast, my hard drive on my old computer crashed, so I was the only list I was able to look back on my actual preseason thoughts from last year are the midfielders, and I have it in writing. Hashtag analysis. This is actual, well, not actual analysis. Well, sort of. Well, this is my this is my preseason analysis of uh, Eden Hazard. Exactly. Um, from the beginning of last season, I am buying a Chelsea slash Hazard bounce back. It's written right there in my notes. I only believed in it in Hazard alone. No hey, one else. That's good. No, he finished third, uh, which you guys uh, definitely uh, accurately predicted. I, I thought he'd be 13th overall. But, yeah, Hazard right there behind Sanchez and Deli Ali uh, in the third spot. Uh, going back to Alexis for a second, he, he didn't uh, have a ton of support. It didn't seem that way anyway. Uh, at least not from a consistent uh, teammate, but he did have two fellow midfielders in the top 30. I was a little surprised to see Mesut Ozil finish 11th overall in scoring. Remember after he, he gets off his little breaks, he's got to have that break. The mental breaks. Yeah. Yeah, mental like health he's, days. He's a fragile, wet piece of toilet paper. Mental oh, health month. And so, You're so mean. You're so mean. Well, he is. Mesut. Let's, just, let's just call it what he is. You so, can like, see it in the eyes. The first beginning of the year... That's just his look. <laughs> he got those big puppy dog eyes. That, I call him raccoon. That's the way he good. looks. So he is look. good in the beginning of the year. And about mid-October. When they've lost enough. You sell him. No. No, no, no. He, you he sell, no, turns into. November. Sell him at November. Dave. Be mush. And then you can buy him back in April. Hold on. Hold the, on a second. The winter months. Not good. First of all, you need to, you need to say something about the... The positioning of Alexis Sanchez as what was functionally uh, the striker. That's true. For a lot of the season. He and then the shift striker. for him to the left, like a, a left winger of yep. sorts. Yes. And then something happened again by the end of the season where he was playing a lot again through the middle. And so there was yeah. that gigantic down the, 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 there was the point at the end of the season where we were saying, not essential. You do not need to own this guy anymore. The only optimism was, will they go back to some formation that lets him play up top again? And they did, kind of. Yeah, it was weird. It, <clears throat> when they when they changed formations, it seemed that he wasn't as wide as he normally was. That he was a little bit, not necessarily in the main center striker position but he was somewhere inside that in the field a little bit closer to the center he was able to pick the ball up more distribute make runs and he ended up being really successful there i mean i feel like he was successful in most places that he played in the beginning of the year he struggled a little bit starting as the striker and then kind of came and then you know things started clicking a little bit more his biggest slump of at any point in the season started in week 30 
where he scored one goal between week 30 and week 36. Yeah. So at that point... Those were dark days. The most expensive, yes, that includes the 3-0 drubbing at the hands of Crystal Palace, which we've talked about in previous podcasts. Mm -hmm. However, starting in week 36, 11, 12, 15, and 9 to end the season for Alexis Sanchez. Yeah. Yeah. Swaying, I'm sure... The outcomes of many, many leagues yeah. for people who may have had him as a, a differential at that point. Brian, I want to expand on the point that you brought up just a minute ago about players playing uh, further forward than their position would indicate. We talked about it uh, at length with defenders uh, playing those those wingback roles, uh, especially in a 3-4-3 type formation. We saw it a lot with midfielders playing uh, up front. As well, in fact, once you made that point, I kind of looked through the the rankings here, and you had Alexis who did at number one, as we mentioned. And then if you look at six through nine, all those guys played up front for their clubs at different points in the season. Gilfrey Sigurdsson for Swansea, mm-hmm. Roberto Firmino for Liverpool, yep. Josh King, the epitome of that for yep. Bournemouth, and Son for Tottenham. Yep. Uh, all those guys benefited from their positioning uh, when it came to their scoring for fantasy Premier League. Yeah, I think one of the other one of the other interesting things to look at, if you sort it in the, at least on the Premier League side and Fantasy Premier League, if you sort by the midfielders by minutes played, and you see the the assortment of folks that make it into the top ten or so of that of that list, you have only a, a handful of those same guys, Sanchez being. You know, as prominent on that list as anyone, he was the th- he played the third most minutes of any midfielder in the Premier League this season. Surprising, so, but not. I so guess. you never. At, how many? T- how often did he leave the pitch? Almost never. Yeah. Other than that one benching, the inexplicable benching against Liverpool, Dave. You remember that? How yeah. could you ever forget? I, I think he might have brought his dogs into the locker room. Or something. No, brother, why are you talking about his dogs? Well, I'm, I mean, just trying to think about why the suspension happened. I think th- all of this is to say Alexis Sanchez had an absolutely amazing year. Uh, an amazing year statistically. Uh, it's amaz- not easy to dominate on the pitch and to create anarchy in the locker room off of it. I mean, he managed to do the double. It's an impressive that, double, Dave. Is that overstating his 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 ways off the pitch, Dave? You're stupid because you have no proof of anything. I could give him the treble and discuss fake injuries too. <laughs> that's true. Oh, <laughs> Look, that's fair. That that is fair. I don't know what you're going to do with Alexis Sanchez next year, other than probably he might not have just, a choice. There's the break him. There's a debate that he might not be at Arsenal. I think he will be at Arsenal. Yeah, if he's there's, a, there's just a bunch of rumors that Scott likes to. Bring up and like, ooh, look at this. Bayern Munich. Ooh, look at this. Bayern Munich did send a suspicious-looking package of uh, dog clothes to Sanchez, but it was labeled, no one really knows where it came from, but everyone suspects that it came from Bayern. tabloid back pages did you It was red and blue dog clothes. That's That's all untrue. Okay. Let's highlight uh, Tottenham, shall we? Uh, three Spurs midfielders made the top ten 
and to no great surprise to anyone. Uh, Delhi, as we mentioned, second. Christian Eriksen finished fourth, and Sun finished ninth, even though he largely played a super sub role, uh, except for when Harry Kane was hurt. Uh, I, I just want to highlight one last time. I picked Christian Eriksen to finish first in midfielder scoring, and through December, I was heavily mocked, scorned, and ridiculed for that preseason prediction. It wasn't looked, too terrible in the end. It looked crazy, and in the end, you were more right than you were But I still think it was wrong. crazy. I won't pick him number one again next year, but I'll definitely pick him up in the top ten. Your number one wasn't as bad as my number one. That's true. Was. Christian Erickson <laughs> had the reason why you looked like an insane man mm-hmm. through the early stages, Scott, was because he only had three assists as his total contribution to Spurs' success through the first 12 matches. Yeah. He did nearly nothing. It required patience. He was an attacking threat constantly. I do remember that. He was Pogba-ing his way to the league. However, to finish the season the way he did, from that point on, finish the season. It was the majority of the season after that. To finish eight goals, 15 Real life assists, although if you go, he's credited with 20 in fantasy Premier League scoring. So to finish that way, and then, Scott, he created the most chances of any midfielder in the Premier League. He created 112 chances on the season, which was ahead of second place, Kevin DeBrana at 103, and third place, Dave, your wet, soggy piece of toilet paper, baby, Mesut Ozil, at 100 chances created in third place. Christian Eriksen and Delhi had amazing, amazing seasons. The Spurs did. They, they the did. The title should have been theirs. Mm, no, that statement's not true, but they did have an amazing season. <laughs> Uh, by the way, I mentioned Paul Pogba earlier. That's going to be the only reference he gets. He did not finish in the top 30 in midfielder scoring. The John Stones of midfielders. You are exactly season. right, Brian. Oh, wow. You're exactly right. You have to wonder. We, we talked about how uh, in our forward uh, episode, which now, Dave, you have to release before this one. Uh, <laughs> we talked in our forward episode um, about how who was the forward we discussed where we wondered what if they'd played more? It was Olivier Giroud. Olivier Giroud. Oh, yeah, what yeah. would have what would have yeah. happened if he'd played more? You have to think the same thing about uh, Kevin DeBrowna. Now I know yeah. we highlighted the fact that he did play more than we thought he did, but even so, getting subbed out as much as he did, yeah, maybe Pep was onto something and he knew that that KDB wouldn't be able to contribute uh, in those final 10, 15, 30 minutes. Uh, which is why he subbed him off. But if he had played, you just have to wonder, would he still, would, would fifth have been where he ended Andor up? Andor just yeah. gotten more starts. Well, it just see, that's the thing that's weird with him. He finished well. I mean, his, his overall statistics for the season, he did play a lot uh, compared to 2015-2016 season where he had 25 appearances. 25 appearances, 7 goals, 9 assists, and only 131 points fantasy points in 2015 season uh so he finished 20th overall in scoring two seasons ago this year he only he didn't play on only two it was the subbing off or the non-start late sub 
thing with him. Oh, and that was okay. the pep rotation issue, yep. which we he hated. was a casualty, but Absolutely. he still finishes with 199 points so, for the season. So, so there was only two games where he didn't have an appearance, right. period. No appearance in two matches but for the season. There was, it, and this is, I guess, where I, I feel like I'm scarred about it mentally, is that he would come in in the 80th minute or something, right? Or yeah, or, and, yeah, 13 minutes. And that as, as a, a fantasy sub. player, that's the worst unless they right. score mm-hmm. because that takes away your sub coming in who probably just outscored him. Honestly, and it stinks. Given the way they talked, Pep talked about him, especially at the end of the season. We, we talked about how you know players hitting the woodwork. He hit it the most. Uh, he you know nine times hitting the woodwork for for Kevin. And Pep saying towards the end of the season, he needs to score more. He needs to. He needs. To, well, I mean, I'm sure I know exactly what he was meaning, which is the ball needs to go more into the net than into <laughs> than into posts. Stop aiming at the bars, please. Uh, no, I mean his his fantasy fortunes could have been could have been even better. I don't know that you, given the outcome of this this season. A guy like him is a midfielder anchor for your roster. If you put him in there and leave him in there from the start of the season to the end of the season, barring a catastrophic injury, especially if they do, he he is obviously not going to be rotated a ton. He's not going to be treated like Raheem Sterling in the in the in the the Manchester City midfield. Which is weird because, see, he still somehow found a way to finish in the top 15. I know. Which is weird. I'd like to talk about him later. Let's do it now. No. no. We, have to, we have other guys to talk okay, about right. that are higher. I, all, I, all, that's all, all that to say that, that Kevin DeBrano, you're right, Scott, who knows? More minutes, somehow, somehow more involved, but I don't know. It speaks to... City's season and the frustration that we had with Pep, you have to say our frustration with Pep is justified in these final season rankings. Yep. No goalkeeper in the yep. top 10. No defender in the top 30. Mm-hmm. Uh, you had Sergio Aguero fourth, but obviously he was overshadowed in the second half of the year by Gabriel Jesus, who didn't rank because he didn't play enough. In the midfield, you have KDB at 5, Raheem Sterling at 16, and David Silva at 24. And that's the only, those are the only, you have four guys in two positions for that club that ranked uh, in the top uh, positions in fantasy, which usually speaks to some of the real life success a club will have. How did City finish third? Um, that's not a question that we can necessarily answer. We but need the to rotation, move on from that one. <laughs> the rotation is, is, is a huge part of that answer. Uh, Gilfie Sigurdsson finishing sixth. Yeah. He is the that is where I want to preach fantasy soccer patience. Yeah. Mm. Well, there first, were stretches. You, in the preaching, you need to preach that you should allow Gilfie Sigurdsson into your heart. Mm. That's the first thing. <laughs> True. Then, but, when, but as your patient, he with him, firmly uh, lives there. In for me, life. well, yeah, I don't know. The seed kind of fell on uh, dry ground with Brian because he did sell Gilfie Sigurdsson. That's true. I did not. I did not. I I gave up on Gilfie Sigurdsson. Yes, he did. Yes, he did. Um, towards the end of the season, but uh, he was worth keeping. The, see, he had down weeks. There were no question. There's no question about it. But he always played. 
He was always good for a three unless he had a yellow card. And sometimes more. And by playing every week and by keeping him in your lineup, no matter, you know, suffering through the down weeks, which literally every player will have during mm-hmm. the season, you got the six most points in the midfield. That's not a bad number two or number three midfielder in your Scott, league. Scott, this he's is. A, he's, he's a good example of someone who takes free kicks, who takes corners, who takes pens, and is always on the field and not picking up cards much and is a really reasonable price. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was like, going to say value. This is yes. your opportunity to talk about actual value. Scott, Scott. loves to talk mm. about value. You know. He, Wait, sta- he started the season at 7.5 which is and finished around, at 7.4. Right. He's all, he was around the Raheem Sterling price. A lot of the mistaken. season. Um, you need... When it, Typically, when I, when I put my teams together in an auction, I end up finding myself having at least two guys close to Gilfie's price range, like Sun. Sun was kind of in that price range as well at times, and he, and he ended up ninth. But Gilfie, I had him for a lot of the season, and then there was a moment, a couple moments where I sold him. But that is, again, w- when you're looking for consistency, it, it, you know, especially value, Brian, you mm-hmm. cannot beat. It's hard to beat that value. It's funny how much fantasy soccer is like the stock market. Yeah. You really have to be careful about selling low and buying high. And that's what we do all the time in yeah. fantasy soccer. And it's the worst advice in the stock market. Mm. And it's the worst advice in fantasy soccer, especially uh, auction leagues like Fantasy Premier League is. You have to know what you have. There is something to be said, and I'll preach this again in our preview shows at the end of the summer, leading into the new season. Half of your squad should be guys that you can just park in your lineup and not touch all year long unless injury hits. And even then, maybe you just move them to the bench unless it's season ending. Half your squad should be that way. Your your squad should not be a, a rotating door of wild cards and negative fours. That should not be the case. Why are you talking directly to me, Scott? I actually was looking at Brian more than you, and I don't know why. I thought you were going to ask me about Brian. No. I'm, I'm just, I have to look at somebody near sure. a little, little close. I mean, but it felt like you were, like, staring into me because I felt like that was me a lot of the season. I mean, Brian should just give me middle finger right now because he took, like, a negative 16 on his way to the title in the final That's week. That's true. That's true. But, anyway, that is... That's that's not hard to do. Guys like Gilfie make that possible. Hey, let's talk about Liverpool. That's a, that's exactly well, where we're going next. Roberto Firmino, 7th. Mm-hmm. Philippe Coutinho, 10th. Sadio Mane, 13th, despite his injury. Jorginho Wijnaldum, 15th. Lalana, 18th. James Milner, 19th. That's 6. 6 in the top 19. And this is the reason why Brian came up with 10 reasons on was it 10? Or 10 ways. 12? Was it 12 ways? It was 15, many. It was 15, 15 or 20. 15 ways. It could have been six. How to. No, it was at least 30. Pick your <laughs> Liverpool midfielder. Um, I mean, there's six of them here. You could have picked three of in them. In the preseason, my thought was good luck sorting through these guys this season. Not to mention, because we included. I, I, I went to Firmino because he was the best, I felt like, of all the guys in 2015-2016 season. Uh, he, the reason why, Firmino finished 2015-2016. Through, through January 2016, 
Roberto Firmino had one goal and three assists until January 2016. He finished that the season with 10 goals and seven assists in wow. 31 matches. So that was the reason why. Somehow people had selected Coutinho significantly higher uh, than Firmino to go into the season. My feeling on everyone else was good luck sorting through them because we were not even really including James Milner to start right. the season. Mane, Vinaldum, and Coutinho, and Firmino, it, was, it, was, it felt like it could easily be a crapshoot to start. And it was a crowded midfield. We had no idea exactly what the rotation would be. And it was. It was exactly like that all season long. So unless you owned either multiples of them or, uh, or none of them at all, you probably had a headache. It's true. Now, Liverpool midfielders, they were definitely more ownable in the first half of the season. The drop-off was, was pretty apparent. I stuck with Coutinho through the second half of the year pretty far, um, and that obviously had its benefits. Uh, but, uh, you know, this is now getting outside the top five, six, seven. It's where you, it was all about when you played these guys, mm -hmm. and, and, and that was part of the reason why they scored up where they did not necessarily because they sustained it all year long like an alexis or a deli would have uh and so if you had these tot or uh, tottenham if you had these uh, liverpool midfielders in the first half of the year you, you you benefited big time all right now that we're outside the top 10 let's just highlight a few guys as we go through the real life list and then we'll point out the things that we wanted to point out from oh, our preseason rankings uh, and, and and then make each other highlight the things we want to hide. Uh, number 14, uh, you couldn't go wrong with a fourth midfielder as Wilfried Zaha and just keeping him in your lineup. Consistent but, to get to 14th. That is very true. Did did you guys rank him at all? Did anyone rank Brian, Zaha? I N-A. N-A, which means nah. Yeah. Or and or I not I didn't available. rank him either. I don't think any of us really ranked him. No, but what's funny is there were uh, there are some uh, Crystal Palace names that are on our preseason rankings. I've got Andrews Townsend on mine. Yeah. Brian, you've got... No, Dave, you've got Yannick Bellassi on yeah, yours. Yeah, he got hurt, man. Give me a break. Well, but w uh, at what point did he transfer to Everton? It was preseason. I was assuming he was an Evertonian preseason. Yeah, I mean... I, I remember... I don't remember. But we we all had who who among us cannot say that we did not have Newcastle tinted glasses on towards the end of last season, knowing what Andros Townsend did for them, and then left Newcastle to go play for and Crystal, Crystal Palace, Palace. That seemed like a great fit. I did yeah. not rank Townsend, so. Hmm, looks like that seemed, we, we, that you, seemed like a great fit. No, we had him. We it was way down on the list. I had him twenty ninth. It's not like it was. It's not like we were saying you must own Andros Townsend to start the season. Right, right. No, there was no way that Zaha was gonna that Zaha was gonna be ranked in the top thirty for most people. It took a while for him, Dave. You you were you were his fanboy. I was this way ahead of the curve. It felt like. I, yeah. He, I think it was a United game early on. I think they won. I don't remember. But bottom line is he looked ridiculous. And at that moment, I'm like, and his price was amazing. Mm -hmm. I well, absolutely we, had we, him for a lot of the season. And this podcast was on board with him following the African Cup of Nations. Oh. Uh, 
because of his price and because of his because of his performance there and yep. everything that all, all of his uh the the eye test as as people would say oh yeah uh that he looked really good coming back and uh it took him a little bit but he ended up coming into the form that everyone would have hoped it was a, also a great late season another value thing su- surprising snodgrass finished at at 20 but he scored all that at hull yeah, that's exactly what it feels right. like. Yeah. I mean, he, he scored that in like half the year, it, and and he still finished in the top twenty. Yeah, he it's did amazing. Not, Robert Snodgrass did not get a lot of minutes uh, once he got to West Ham. I yeah, thought that was going to be a a match made in heaven. Scott he should have stayed at Hall, and it was a it was a bad date gone wrong. Well, yeah, but you know what's funny is he could be the Gilfie of Hall right now. He could have he could have probably kept him up. If he'd stayed there all year, that's probably true. And I and you're everything you're saying. Every time you say the words West Ham, it makes me think of uh, the dearly departed West Hammer from um, from the first half of the season, who we can talk about uh, maybe in a an R.I.P. segment at the end of this podcast. Go ahead and say his name, Brian. Well, Dimitri Payet. It's it's one of the t- it's one of the two biggest disappointments of the season. We we. For overall disappointments, you know what? You know what? West Ham's biggest enemies were there were three. I'll give the bronze medal to injuries, mm-hmm. the silver medal. I thought you were going to give that to Andy Carroll's groin, since you know it's so well, well. That's in there. That's that helps make yeah. up the bronze medal. Okay. Yeah, right. it's in there. It's, it 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 dictated the shape of the medal. Okay, all right. Silver medal. <laughs> silver medal. London Stadium. Uh-huh. Oh, here we go again. And the gold Ooh, medal. Curse. And the gold medal goes to World Cup. Or I'm sorry, not World Cup. Euro 2016, being in France. Payet playing at home with his countrymen. Yeah. And then wanting to go back when he had to report to London for league duty. I don't know, man. I think there was some other stuff going on there. He wanted to be home. His family yeah, wanted to be no. home. Well, they got a taste of it. He got the he, success and the glory in France, and he couldn't bear to, to leave it. Brian, can you bring up his numbers halfway? Well, through? here's want- what I was going to say about what I was going to say about Dimitri Payet. Aside from the fact that he was a disappointment for for everybody this season, is that as disappointing as it was, he still, as of April, had. His final numbers were 74. He he created 74 chances, which in April, still in April, was the fifth best of any midfielder in the Premier League. He had 81 points through January, and he only played 20 he only played 24 minutes in the first 3 matches. So what Dimitri Payet started with neck with nothing, yeah. Played until January. Still had 81 points, six assists on those 74 chances created. Sure. I mean, I don't feel like the ranking, anybody ranking him, I don't feel bad about the no. ranking that we gave him at all. Yeah, he's worthy. And he was on a bad team because of the injuries. Like they were playing their B team around him because everyone else was hurt. Um, he He talked about it later on in the spring. He talked about his frustration he talked more specifically about he hated in addition to family issues and wanting to wanting to go back to france he hated the defensive that's what he talked about how frustrated he was with the defensive structure uh that billich had at west ham he talked about how 
he could have he said it this way exactly that he could have started a war whenever West Ham kind of gave him the ultimatum that they wouldn't that they wouldn't kind of let allow him to explore other options but that he he stayed committed with the thought that they would kind of work with him and the hall match where they won they will beat hall one nothing but he said we don't, we won one nothing but they hit the woodwork four times he it, it was everything bad that could have happened for him for so, a guy that he felt like by the end of his time at West Ham that he was regressing as a player. But even then, everything is, you're saying from his mouth out of yours revolves around him. And that's yeah. what made the West Ham fans so angry is that it was a selfish move, what he did. No matter what he felt and how upset he was, you signed the contract. You didn't like it? Sign a one-year deal. Don't sign a multi-year deal. Play out yeah. the contract and get out. Uh, but but honor your contract. And, you know, yeah, part of the frustration, too, is, you know, if he was on a bad team, a good player on a bad team, if he was a snodgrass-type player, you know what? Hey, he'd have something to complain about. But the guys around him that were supposed to be there weren't because of injury. You can't plan for that. You can't predict that. That wasn't, that wasn't on purpose. So just because they, they played what they did because of the injuries that they suffered from, that doesn't make it something where Pyatt can now just bail because he's unhappy. Hey, Scott, you know what else you can't predict? What? Marco Arnautovic mm. not playing well. Yeah. Brian, where'd and you rank or, him? Marco, I had Marco seventh. That's the rest one, of us had him high, too, but 12th, that was definitely the highest. Well, Marco, look, yet again, I regret nothing here. Marco finished with eleven goals and six assists, but yet can't in make thirty-four stuff. matches in 2015-2016. Joe, Joe Allen finished with more fantasy points than Marco Arnautovic. Marco Joe was Allen's ninth. Good. Marco was ninth in scoring two but, years ago. Yes, yes, yes. No, I know. To I go know. from look, I, I'm, I'm making saying, fun of all of us and/or him because I think we properly ranked him. He just decided to suck. Scott, my question, because I know you've you've said this, that as long as players are in like contract negotiation and dispute, and there's all sort, you know, all of the the all of the ifs that surround a player during a you know preseason or whatever. Marco, he signed his four year deal with Stoke on July 27th. You feel like shouldn't that settle the guy? In this case, it seems like it, too it, much. it had maybe the was, opposite effect. Yeah, maybe he became uh, lackadaisical because he's got the money now. It re- a, a reported 80,000 pounds per week. I mean, that deal. would make me settle. Emotionally. What would Marco's season have looked like if Stoke had sold him to Everton, which was ever, the reports going into Ooh, the season where Everton were... Prop- That's a provocative question because Everton's midfield wasn't wasn't solid for all of the gushing we did about their defenders they really struggled to and forwards Romelu Lukaku specifically their their midfield was a struggle they had Ross Barkley at 17 and Kevin Morales at 29 and neither of them you could argue was super ownable for most of the year yeah uh so that's a fair question it could have been amazing if if Marco could find a way to coexist with Rom Mm -hmm. which is always a question Rom. Have uh, we really reduced him no, to Rom? I mean, I feel like, yeah. When he goes to Chelsea, then Koeman, he his full Koeman villainous name. called him Rom. Hmm. Uh, you know, it, that is an interesting question. I will say, though, for the disappointing 17th place finish in the midfield that Ross Barkley had, we nailed that. 
15, I, nailed it. I nailed it exactly. 15, 16, and 18 is where we ranked him. So we were all around that one. That yep. was perfect. Um, but that's a good question, Brian. I don't know. And, and uh, let me ask you, this is the true question right here, Brian. You ready? Yeah. I, know, I know my answer, but I want to hear yours first. Yeah. Where will Marco rank for you? Marco Arnautovic. He won't be in the top 30. No, he wouldn't. Good. He Good. can't possibly right. crack the We're top 30. We're unanimous on that then. Yeah. Hey, biggest misses. I thought Mctarian would get more time. Huh. And I, I think if he would have gotten more minutes, I think he might have made the top 30. Um, William, once they made a formation change, he just fell off the map. I know how I had him at, at 16 to start the season. Yeah. He's um, good, though. That was, that was Tottich. strictly. Tottich. Brian and I love Tottich. And yeah. I'm not sure... We kept waiting for him to have weeks. I know for a while he and Redmond were leading the league collectively in most created chances, I believe, Brian, but they had no one after Austin went down to injury to put it into the into the net until Gabbiadini yeah. came along. No, listen, Southampton, that's the Claude Puel effect. Once he's gone, they'll all bounce right back. Anyways, Balassi, Shakiri, and Kuyate are all the guys that I thought would have ranked in the top 30 mm-hmm. and didn't. And then you look at guys like, like Sterling. I thought I had him properly ranked. I was wrong. I didn't rank him, and he ended up 15th yeah. or 16th. So, anyways, it just, it just again, like every review episode, I look back and realize <laughs> how dumb I was. What was yeah. I thinking? Two more names that I want to bring up. Number one. Uh, Riyad Mahrez. Um, oh, the yeah, actual, how could I, how could I the not, actual like, most disappointing player. Holy, holy, huge miss by me. Well, he for everyone, twenty eighth. I had him ranked preseason number one. I thought Jamie Vardy would slide. I didn't see Mahrez doing it too, uh, but that was obviously a, a huge, huge deal. The only Leicester midfielder in the top thirty. Also, I want to bring up uh, Etienne Capou finished twenty third overall. Amazing. Do we need and to bring him? Do we need to bring all him those up points over. in the first ten games? Um, um, I think uh, you want to add another name to the Andrus Townsend list. I'll add Nathan Redmond, but he did finish twenty fifth. Yeah, at least he cracked the top thirty. Tadic was really disappointing because he had seven goals and twelve assists in twenty fifteen sixteen. So to just draw, I mean, yeah. like you said, Dave, still creative, just. Just did not, just didn't do anything. Just well, never out. felt like he did anything. Well, out. Is he out yet? No, but he should be. That's, okay. that's, I'm flying the banner right now. And Pogba. I was high on Pogba. I had him, well, I say high. I had him at 21. I thought he'd end up, he, his career stats typically are about eight goals and eight assists. I was wrong. Scott was right. I hate to admit it on that. Scott was right. I was wrong. But. Pat yourself, man. Right. Who was right in this Lanton bet? Um, yeah, I just want to bring that up. Every time hey, I'm listen, wrong, every time I'm wrong, I'm just gonna. That's my go-to. Listen, to. I if I got two things right, it was uh, Zlatan would get hurt and Pogba would be, would suck. <laughs> I'm just happy to. See that's that. hey, just Manchester will, United hate. I will <laughs> say this: I don't. Ex- I expect Pogba to be better this year, and I'll have him ranked in in probably about uh, in the twenty range. You, I you, think he'll be better. You you accuse me of United hate, Brian, but I did preseason uh, pick Martial fourth. That was a yeah. Miss. Well, no, that is one of my personal. It's, but, but but Scott, it's that is one of my personal disappointments. You know, along Marco is a is way up there for me, but Martial had eleven like eleven goals and four assists in thirty one matches one season ago, 
and then was classed as a midfielder to start the season. There was no, there's no reason why you wouldn't think, how can this guy blow it? And then whatever it was, personal off the field issues, Mourinho, the Mourinho effect, if you want to go bronze, silver, and gold medal on, oh, yeah. on what happened to Anthony Martial this season. Girlfriend, bronze, something else, silver, Mourinho, gold. Mm. Yeah, I mean... Wait, let's give Mourinho the silver, too. Oh. <laughs> give Mourinho the double on ruining Anthony Martial's <laughs> no, season. No, he likes trebles. I'm giving him all three. <laughs> okay, yes, but that's much better. Hey, he was winning silverware, man. You get off his back. He yeah, won that, more that silverware than Liverpool. He won, he won more silverware than Liverpool this year. Don't be hate. hate. For for all the for all the badness on here, I feel like there was I feel like there was enough good overall. Uh, some bold picks. You don't want all. You don't want just a, a a rehashing of the exact same top thirty that happened the previous season. You got exactly what you what you came to came to see on this list. If you if you saw it going into the season. Exactly right. Dave, that brings us to the end. That's it. Hey, that wraps up uh, our summer our summer series. No, it doesn't. That does not wrap up <laughs> our summer series. That wraps up our position review. That just, that just wraps up our review. That's what I meant to position say. Position review portion God of our bless. summer series. Hey, we're going to take a couple weeks off. Yep. Because by law, you know, by, by FIFA regulations, we have to. We have to I'm have going to the two beach. Weeks. Yep, yep. We have to at least two weeks off. Uh, and so uh, we are going to come back though with a fun set of episodes in, in uh, the end of the month, or start of next month, something like that. Where sometime uh, soon, sometime soon in the summer, uh, we're going to look at the three promoted clubs in a fun way. Yes, very excited about that, Scott. The new clubs coming up: Huddersfield Town. We need a good town in the league. I'm glad that Brighton happened. Hove Albion. Forgot the and, but that's okay. Brighton we'll work on and it Hove year. Albion, yeah. or Brighton Hove and Albion. Brighton and Hove Albion. And Ryan's say, Did you forget this one? Ryan's yeah, don't. Well, you should just, na- just name them first. Great, great drama coming back to the league with manager and players, Newcastle United. Back where they belong. Hey, for the Fantasy Soccer FC Podcast, this is David Smith, and until next time.